Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show. I, I've got to tell you, 2020 is one of those years where you just... You think it's not going to get any more bizarre. It's not going to get any more weird. And then the next day happens, and you're like, well, we beat it. We exceeded expectations. I mean, you have Joe Biden. Remember Biden came out in uh, his famous remark, well, if you're not, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. You ain't black if if you don't pull the uh, Joe Biden lever. And because the mainstream media is in uh, a progressive, liberal uh, – in the pockets of progressives and liberals, they don't follow up. They don't bring it up. It's, well, that's Joe Biden being Joe. But he's doing another interview. uh, I think this was on uh, Tuesday or maybe Wednesday, maybe even yesterday. Joe Biden was doing an interview, and he's asked about taking a, uh, not an IQ test, but an acuity test, right? Like, let's test your mental fitness, And Biden goes off on a rant, and it was absolutely incredible to hear Joe Biden melt down uh, on the radio talk show host. And he got to the point where he was like, well, look, uh, I don't need to take a mental fitness test. Do I have to take a drug test before I come on and do your radio show? I mean, is he really equating running for president and the need to be mentally fit, is he equating that with being a guest on a radio talk show? Because that's what it sounded like. He's like, well, do I need to take a drug test to come on and do this show, to do a radio show interview? And then he said, no, I haven't taken a test. Why would I take a test? Come on. He then said, that's like saying to you, before you got on this program, if you take a test where you're taking a cocaine or not, what do you think? Huh? Are you a junkie? I know it sounds discombobulated. It's because it is, but I read it verbatim. I read the exchange verbatim. And if you're listening to it and saying to yourself, what did I just listen to? You're not alone. And if you look at the radio host during this, he looks like he's flummoxed. He doesn't know what is Biden saying. And that same expression was on Barack Obama's face. It was on Elizabeth Warren's face. If you sit down for an interview with Joe Biden, you've got to get that face ready. Because Joe Biden is going to say something that you're going to hear and say, I I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to comment about that. But I don't think you need to say or comment anything. I think what needs to happen is you need to have follow-up questions by a diligent press that says, you know, Mr. Vice President, there are people who are saying you don't have the mental fitness. And in that same interview he gave with uh, this radio talk show host, He struggled to articulate the phrase mental fitness. I think it took him three or four shots where he's struggling to say it. He finally gets it out. Who 
who thinks that it's a good idea to provide cover, political cover for someone who is struggling to the degree that Joe Biden is? I don't care if you're a Democrat, a a liberal, an uber progressive, AOC. Who looks at that scenario and says, you know what, this is in America's best interest to put Joe Biden in as president. Even if we have to hide what's happening to him mentally, even if we have to provide cover for his mental fitness, it's the best thing. Because you know what's going to happen. They want the election to take place. And then probably before the swearing in, they're going to say, you know what, Joe, you just don't have it. But thank goodness you have this uber progressive liberal who's all for the Green Deal, who's for the abolition of fossil fuels. Thank goodness we have her on your ticket. Now, do you see it playing out that way? Am I right? Did I get this right? 801-331-8113. 801-331-8113. Do you see it playing out that way? Because I would look, you're going to have that 30% who are diehard Democrats who would lie to a Senate committee, who would trump up charges to pursue the president for, for Russia-related allegations that they know aren't based in truth. You have a percentage of the population where Joe Biden could be pulling a weekend at Bernie's and they would still vote for Joe Biden. And the same thing on the Republican side. But I have to believe the vast majority of Americans are going to look at this and say, wow, I I like Biden more than Trump, but he just is not fit to hold that office. Or do you think, Joe, hey, you're being too naive. You know, you're a Democrat. You're going in there. You're, you're voting for Joe Biden. I don't see it that way. I, I think there is a group of people in the, the center of this country who are going to look at what's happening to Joe Biden and say, this is not in America's best interest. This, this man's finger can be nowhere near anyone's hair or the nuclear codes. They're just going to say, they're going to come to that conclusion. 801-331-8113. Or, or my scenario is, you know, they get the uber progressive and they recognize that they can't hide Joe Biden for four years, right? Even if they can sneak him into the election, which I don't think can happen. I, even with a, a compliant and docile press, I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're that competent to pull that off. Not in the era of social media, not where everybody has a camera, where you can't go anywhere without being on tape. And we saw it. We saw it with Hillary Clinton in 2016. The media covered that up. They didn't play her freezing up before they, they tossed her into the back of the Secret Service truck. They covered that up. If you were watching MSNBC or CNN, you, there's a good chance you never saw that video. But it was enough. It was enough that there were a radio talk show, there was social media, there was digital media, there was Fox News that was saying, you know, we just have questions. This doesn't appear to be healthy behavior. Can we have a conversation? And the left never wanted that conversation. But it didn't matter. 
because we live in this era of transparency. And, and I believe to this day that that video cost Hillary Clinton the election because people began to ask if she's willing to hide this, if she's not willing to have a candid conversation with me about her health, I can't trust her on these other issues. And I believe it's the same thing with Joe Biden. I don't think they're going to get away with hiding the behavior. And he just came out again. He came out again today and he was giving a, uh, a speech. And during the speech, he said, unlike the African-American community, the Latino community is, is an incredibly diverse community. What is he saying? What is he saying? That all black people think alike? That all black people walk lockstep? But I guarantee you, no one in the press is going to follow up and say, you know, Mr. Vice President, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by unlike the African-American community? I mean, isn't that offensive? I mean, if Donald Trump said that, would the press be reacting any differently? Would there be more hostility if Donald Trump said that versus Joe Biden? Absolutely. Absolutely. They would be asking him not only to explain it, they'd probably be calling for impeachment proceedings against him. But we live in a weird, weird place right now in 2020. I mean, think about this. You know, we had a, uh, a basketball player refuse to kneel during the national anthem. Before it was, if you knelt, you would have to explain, right? Colin Kaepernick, explain why you're kneeling. Help us understand. In 2020, it's the guy who stays standing that is now required to explain, well, wait, why aren't you kneeling? Really weird uh, time. When we come back, I want to talk about Bill de Blasio setting up checkpoints in New York, Andrew Cuomo promising to cook dinner if you have money, and Eric Garcetti, mayor of Los Angeles, threatening to turn off the water if you host too many people in your home. We'll have those stories and more right after this break. Balance of Nature. Changing the world one life at a time. I've had a lot of really great days back to back, which has been a huge blessing. Even my doctor told me, because uh, they asked me to bring everything in that I take on a daily basis. He was very encouraged by seeing what I was taking. And he, he said he didn't care how many I had. You know, he said it's food. And the form that it's in was something that he was very, because uh, he's an avid learner. And he's always researching and uh, he's, he's always excited to see new things. And he told me, this would be good. This will help you immensely with the nutrition that you need. 
Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up for Liberty HealthShare today. As a Christian health care sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now. And you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples, and families. Best of all, there are no contracts. And plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's LibertyHealthShare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show here on K Talk 1640 AM. Thank you for uh, tuning in. You know, there is a, uh, it's a weird, weird year this year. I mean, absolutely a head scratcher on so many levels, and we're going to cover those stories. But one of the things that um, government should help people, right? I mean, I think we all agree on that. We may disagree to the, to the extent or the areas that they should be involved in. But I think people look at government and say, yeah, look, you're there for me. You're there to make my job easier. And in too many cases, that's not happening. And I think about, um, you know, the the pipeline out of uh, uh, that they've been trying to build forever. And, you know, Obama was against it. Trump comes in. I think it's his first week in office. He says, look, we're going to build the pipeline. He authorizes it, you know, does all the overrides by executive order. And then it's in the court system. And last week, I think the uh, court came out and said, look, I'm going to put this injunction in place. You can't keep building the pipeline. That's what he tells all the oil companies. And then yesterday, the appellate division comes out and says, you know what? You can build that pipeline. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're a business owner, how do you operate in that setting? How do you operate where, you know, today we get to build, tomorrow we do. Can you imagine building a building that way or any business? 
And it's because people, I don't think, are looking and saying, look, are we a country that's vested in oil or not? And if we are, then let's design a, a policy that makes it easier for us to provide not only jobs, but economic security. You know, right now, there's stories that Iran and China, nothing would make them happier because all oil is uh, traded in dollars, right? You can't buy oil unless you show up with American dollars. So even our enemies like Iran and, uh, should we say, frenemy like China, they've got to cough up American dollars to buy oil. They hate that. And they're doing their best to say, you know what, we need out of the system. We need a separate system that American dollars don't control. So all this is happening, and I wanted to bring Paralee Obley. She is the CEO of Obley Oil, and I wanted to ask her. Paralee, thank you for joining us. Yes, happy to be here. I've got to tell you, this is a company your father started. It has been in your business, Obley Oil. It's been in your family for decades. This isn't new to you, right? You have seen this back and forth. Hey, today you can drill, tomorrow you can't. Today this is a fair game, tomorrow it's restricted. As a business owner, how do you roll with that? How do you develop a business plan around that? Well, Joe, one of of the great things about our little company is that we have 65 years of doing business under our belt. So we've literally seen oil at $2 a barrel, and we've seen it at $160 a barrel. So we just adapt to the climate, and we change our business model based on what's happening in the oil industry. But we don't freak out about any one thing. I think that's the secret. You know, just keep the faith and keep doing it and don't get scared. And I think that applies to any business, you know. But, I mean, it's one thing, Paralee, to, you know, there's only so much we can do with with Iran and China and, you know, whatever they may be planning in terms of, you know, the uh, de-dollarization of oil. But when it comes to, like, our own politicians, it seems like they would be more cooperative that they would look at this and say look you know the oil sector the energy sector the jobs that you provide and i'm the good paying jobs right i mean these those jobs people left their homes it was almost like the gold rush and they were heading to the bakken right and these were great jobs great paying jobs why don't we see more support from politicians to say you know what this makes sense we shouldn't be dependent on the Saudis, the Iranians, or anyone else when it comes to our oil. Uh, Donald Trump today said, that, well, they predict he's going to sign an executive order in Ohio today that's going to require the U.S. government to buy all essential medications from American companies. Because yes. his point is we can't afford to be dependent on China for essential medicines. Why don't our politicians say the same thing about oil? You know, it's it's quite the question. I think the oil people have not been, have not gotten the message out there enough to our country that oil and gas, by drilling in our country, 
it immediately creates jobs. You know, if, if we put all the oil workers back to work and we say oil went to $72 a barrel today, we would, within three months, we could create six million jobs. So to answer your question, unfortunately, I think the media has had its heyday with oil. They tell everyone we're raping the planet, you know, that we're hurting the planet, and nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be. I've got to say this. I am not old enough to remember the, uh, the gas lines of the 70s. And I think, you know... It took a virus that shut down the United States to get our politicians to say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be buying all of our medical supplies from a foreign country. It doesn't matter which one. In this case, it happens to be China, but it probably is not a good thing. You're so right, Joe. And some good things could come from this horrible virus. And I think that's one of them. We need to stick, our families need to stick together, and our country needs to stick together. We need to buy American, and we need to rely on American energy. Yeah, I I think... You know, that some dictator like Hugo Chavez can't point his guns at all the oil people and say, get out what you just drilled is mine, which is what he did. Yeah, and and the real sad thing is that I think that we have forgotten the lesson of the 70s when, because look, America was not always energy independent. I mean, we are now because government finally got out of the way and said, you can drill responsibly, you can drill in an environmentally safe way, Let and, and let's start this, let's make us energy independent, and we're there now. And it's beyond yeah. me why some politicians would say, you know what, that's not a good thing. It just it blows my mind. Me too. I think they're just bought and paid for by the... People think socialism is so glamorous, but it really isn't. People starve on socialism. And, you know, the oil industry, Joe, it is so inventive. You know, we, we decided that the, if we drilled sideways or horizontally, we could get a lot more oil out of the ground than by drilling straight down. And in addition to that, it, it made our footprint on the surface smaller. So that appeased to the people that wanted a smaller footprint, which we do too. Um, there's no bigger supporter of of making the planet beautiful and keeping our locations clean than the oil industry. It really is true. Well, Paralee, I want to thank you for everything that you do. I want to thank you for, you know, fighting the fight every day for free enterprise, for good jobs, uh, and for responsible interaction with the planet. So, Paralee, thank you. My pleasure. Good to be here. Have a good day. That was uh, Paralee Oberly. She is the CEO of Oberly Oil. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit Oberly Oil. That's O-B-E-L-E, OberlyOil.com. You're listening to The Joe Carey Show here on K Talk 1640 AM. When we come back, de Blasio setting up checkpoints in New York. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, I'll cut off your water if you have too many people over in your house. We'll have those stories and more right after this break. 
USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Talks on a new coronavirus relief bill continue, and U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate will not adjourn for August as normally scheduled until a deal is reached. What we've seen is plenty of talk, uh, plenty of stalling from Democratic leaders who've insisted on handling this themselves but no significant movement toward progress. Weekly jobless claims down for the first time in weeks. The Labor Department reports just under 1.2 million Americans filed first-time claims for jobless benefits last week. Vice President Mike Pence expressing his displeasure with Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts because of Roberts' recent decision on a Louisiana abortion law. Pence saying that he's a disappointment to conservatives for not putting in place what Pence calls a modest restriction on abortion providers. This This is USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. policy points and availability vary by state. The latest from Portland, Oregon, last night was the 70th straight night of protests against alleged police brutality and racial injustice. It brought about 200 protesters to the Portland East Police Precinct, and Portland police are describing last night's demonstration as having turned into a riot for the second night in a row. Some of the protesters tried to push together dumpsters as a barricade. Police had to respond with stun grenades. A military transition marked this morning as Air Force General Charles Brown Jr. officially became the first African-American service chief in the U.S. military. I'm in awe that I'm even standing here as the 22nd uh, Air Force Chief of Staff, considering I'd only planned to stay in the Air Force four years and almost quit RTC after the first semester. President Trump travels to Ohio today, where he's scheduled to tour a Whirlpool appliance factory. The president will then be headlining a GOP fundraiser this evening. This is USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Joe Care Show. Breaking news, the Attorney General of uh, New York um, has announced that she is seeking the dissolution of the National Rifle Association, but she assures us this is apolitical in nature. I mean, we're only 88 days away from a presidential election, and the National Rifle Association, only the biggest uh, organization defending the Second Amendment on the planet. And she announces today, I'm going to seek its dissolution. And, you know, she issued a press release yesterday saying, think about this, think about uh, to me, if you're if you're the attorney general, you should shy away from the limelight, right? Because as lawyers, you're under a charge to avoid the appearance of impropriety, right? That's our charge as an attorney. And she's out there, and she issues this statement yesterday, last night, saying, "I have a big announcement that's coming today." 
And I will tell you, the media was salivating because they thought it had to do with Trump, right? Because the New York Attorney General, she's also investigating the Trump folks. So all the uh, scuttlebutt on the internet was, oh, what does she have? Is she going to announce? Is she going to indict Trump? Like, what's happening? Oh, she's just trying to seek the dissolution. And it was actually a letdown. Like the liberal, oh, she's only seeking the dissolution of the NRA. We thought she was going after Trump. But I will tell you this. The, uh, some of the former board members on the National Rifle Association, they did come out and say, look, you know, we're concerned about how some of these funds are being spent. And the National Rifle Association, it has several different compartments and uh, departments. Those that are classified as a 501c3, right, the charitable nature of that organization, you're limited in how you can spend those charitable dollars. And that's a good thing. And that should apply. That applies to all charities. Now, unfortunately, politicians, they pick and choose, right, which charities they want to focus on. Right, because there's a long list of impropriety or charges of impropriety against liberal-leaning progressive charities. But to the extent the National Rifle, and she's saying it's like $86 million, like big bucks. To the extent the National Rifle Association mismanaged and misspent those funds, absolutely, they need to be held accountable. But, you know, the Attorney General of New York, she also has a duty, and that duty is to avoid this appearance of impropriety. And I will tell you, launching a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association 88 days before an election, I think you're close. If you you haven't crossed that line, you're close to crossing that line because you would be hard-pressed to find an organization – Uh, that is more effective at getting out the vote than the National Rifle Association. And this election, it's all going to come down to who can get their people to the polls, who can get their base to vote. And this lawsuit, it's going to take time, it's going to take money, it's going to take resources to address and to litigate But again, that's where we are now. We're at a stage where justice, too many times, has to take a backseat to political expediency. I mean, this is great. You have Mario Cuomo, right? Mario Cuomo, the governor of New York, he comes out and he says, you know what? We can't raise taxes on the rich. And he says 1%. This is what he said. 1% of New Yorkers pay for 50% of New York income tax. Think about that. 1% of New Yorkers cover 50% of the taxes paid by New Yorkers. And he's saying, we can't afford to tax them anymore. Why? Because there's a huge group within his own party, within the Democrat Party, saying, hey, we need, we have all these budget shortfalls. We've got to address it, right? Because COVID, not only did it knock out business, well, business pays the taxes to government. So if business is hurting, government is hurting. So Bill de Blasio in New York City says, we need money. Mario Cuomo says, we need money. Bill de Blasio says, tax the rich. Mario Cuomo, not Mario, 
That's the brother. Andrew Cuomo comes out and says, we, we can't, this father, we can't do that. We, we can't raise the taxes on the rich. Well, now de Blasio and Cuomo are having a family feud. Because Cuomo's concerned if we raise taxes on the rich, they may never come back to New York City. Because people have learned they can work remotely. And we're watching it. We're seeing it in real time. A massive exodus of people, not just the rich, but people who can afford to leave these high-taxed areas. They're leaving. And they're moving to Texas. They're moving to Phoenix. They're moving to Salt Lake. Apparently, West Valley City is not on that list. But they are moving to any place that provides lower taxes and less government regulation. Now, this is the irony. Bill de Blasio wants to tax the rich. Cuomo says, no, we can't. But they're both looking to the federal government and saying, you know what? We need, what is it? I think $30 billion is the latest. We need $30 billion to cover our tax shortfall. Well, that money's coming from us. It's coming from the taxpayer. So they don't want to tax their own residents, but they want to tax you? You live in Colorado? You live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? A suburb of Miami, Florida? Layton, Utah? That's who they want to tax? And remember, the government already set aside $150 billion for the states to cover COVID-related expenses. All a state has to do is show up and say, hey, here are my receipts. Reimburse me. I've had to buy personal protective equipment. We've had to build, you know, uh, new sanitized tables in the cafeteria. We've had to insert all these plastic dividers at the uh, Department of uh, Agriculture. All they have to do is show up with the receipts. They get that money. It's reimbursed. Only 25% of those funds have been spent to date. States aren't showing up with the receipts. Why? Because they are pressuring the federal government to change the rules. They want to spend that $150 billion, but they want to be able to spend it on anything they want. And right now, because of the Trump administration, they can only spend it, they can only seek reimbursement if they've spent it on COVID-related matters. And they hate that. No, no, just give us the money. We, we know how to spend it best. And Trump is saying, you don't. You've mismanaged your budgets and you're not going to use someone else's hard-earned money that they've paid in taxes to reward you for bad fiscal policies. Because remember, this is not... Governments now are making decisions. Hey, we're going to open up. We're going to keep closed. We're going to allow people to start, you know, firing up and heating up that engine of economic activity. Or you know what? We're just going to keep the state closed. If you're making the decision to keep your state closed, if you're saying there's no way we can safely reopen, what Trump is saying is then you'll have to bear the consequences of that decision. Just like states that reopen, they have to bear the consequences of that decision. 
And I know that there's people on both sides of this argument listening right now who are saying, well, it's a great idea to reopen. It's a horrible idea to reopen. People need to stay close. That's up for your governor to decide. But what they can't decide is they can't say, you know what? I'm going to stay closed, but I don't want to carry the consequences of that decision. We're not going to fire up our economic engine but because we've made that decision in New York and Pennsylvania and Minnesota and Michigan, the good folks in Utah, Florida, Texas, you've got to pay us. It should not work that way. You've made the decision to stay closed. You carry those consequences. You've made the decision to reopen. You'll carry those consequences, both economic and political. But we have too many progressive governors trying to have it both ways. I'm going to stay closed, and I don't have to worry about my budget because, you know what, the good folks in Utah and Texas and Florida, they're going to send us their money. That's bad policy. We wouldn't do it with our kids. We don't reward kids for making bad decisions. We shouldn't do it with politicians. You're listening to The Joe Carey Show here on K Talk, 1640 AM. We'll be back right after this break. to hear a commercial for a very unique mortgage team that has a very specific advantage that could save your family monthly and lifelong money. Two things you should know. One, we were started by a dad and his son and his wife and his sister-in-law, and we've grown to be a faith-focused mortgage team that's helping families across the U.S. We're faith and family at our core, and we don't hide it. Two, we've still stayed fairly small on purpose. We're only about a couple dozen people, a makeup that we believe lets us truly know every person that calls. But we also have a big advantage. Our company is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, a reality that often allows us to get you a better rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org or corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. The healthcare enrollment period has just ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a health care program. Sign up for Liberty Health Share today. As a Christian health care sharing ministry, they are not insurance. So you can still sign up. There's no open enrollment period. You can sign up now and you can pick the program of your choice. You get to select your doctors and your hospital. They have programs for single individuals, for couples, and families. Best of all, there are no contracts. And plans start at only $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey. That's libertyhealthshare.org backslash Joe Carey, K-E-R-R-Y. 
with a recession ending. If you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. 800 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show. I just uh, looking at the news, and uh, this just came over the feed. And I know that many of you in the audience have followed this case. I know Brian uh, was a big part of it, the, uh, the Bundy case, where the federal government uh, sued Cliven Bundy, his family, uh, and took him to court on several occasions. And the, the last time, the, the case being heard in Las Vegas, I was fortunate enough to, to sit in and watch. And I was there when... Uh, the government was caught with his hand in the cookie jar. They didn't turn over evidence that they were under an ethical and legal obligation to turn over. And because of their failure to do that, and remember, while this is happening, I mean, this family is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in court fees. While the government just says, yeah, we have this information, but uh, what are the chances they'll find out? Well, they did. Why? Because there was a whistleblower in Idaho who said, this isn't right. So Ammon Bundy just announced uh, on his Facebook page that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed Judge Navarro's ruling uh, dismissing uh, their case. So if you've been following that case, uh, it looks like that, uh, that litigation, which has consumed years of their lives, is over. I, I guess the government could always appeal it to the Supreme Court. Uh, but the appellate court for the Ninth Circuit said, yes, the government, you did hide evidence. You had an obligation to turn that, over, that evidence over. You didn't, and thereby prejudicing the constitutional rights of this family. So I wanted to share that with you. Uh, just one other thing I want to talk about. We have Jim Sano on hold. I want to talk about uh, real quick and get Jim's thoughts on this before we bring him on. In Seattle, you had a mayor who allowed her city to be attacked, destroyed, burned. She didn't do anything. They occupied six city blocks. She sat on her hands. It wasn't until they showed up at her home. And then the very next day, she said, you know what? This whole occupied Chaz area, it's got to go. Now we have the chief of police because the, the rioters, they have now showed up at the chief of police, her home in Seattle. Now she's come out and said... The city council, they have to do something to protect elected people and uh, government employees. And I heard that and, and I was stunned. Where was the mayor and where was the chief of police when private businesses were being burned to the ground? Where were these fo- Now, 
to her credit, the Seattle chief of police, she did say, hey, you got to let us go in. You got to let us retake this precinct. You can't let this chaos happen. But when did it become acceptable for elected officials and their appointees to say, you know what? Defund the police, but you've got to protect us. Is that who we are? Let's go to Jim Sano, uh, who's joining us. Jim, when did this start to happen? Like, the Constitution says you all get the same rights. You all get the same privileges. You get the same protections. Now we have this movement that says defund the police, but you know what? You've got to protect us. When did that happen? Joe, we've had, for the duration of the eight years that uh, Obama was on the scene, reasonables and unreasonables. The Obama logic, which is illogical, was to interpret the Constitution as to what it did not say so they can, in essence, go after the public, meaning the people that employed him, unfortunately, for things that were guaranteed by the Constitution. And when you allow anyone to teach that the color blue is actually yellow, in first grade, by the time that individual gets to high school or junior high school, the color he's looking at, it may be blue to you and it may be blue to me, it's yellow to him. Very difficult to go backwards and try to deprogram the inaccurate information for accurate information. This has been a preamble from the beginning. You may remember in one or two of our conversations when we were together that I had said to you they're releasing prisoners uh, from jails under the Obama programs all over the country and they're dropping them the same with illegal aliens and dropping them into predominantly republican districts and i said to you which is the normal way i portray this is that they're loading and stacking the decks all over the country so that when the whistle blows these people can react in a way that's animalistic because that's what they do and uh, today you're bearing the fruit unfortunately of that prediction and this is part of the answer to your question. When you have that kind of an element who is dealing on the crime side of the equation released back into the streets, they will normally be able to react a lot quicker and with more vengeance than the poor guy, the innocent, logical, uh, civilized individual that makes up most of our country. And that hesitation, as the phrase goes, those who hesitate are lost. That's why they can carjack your car, they can burn down buildings, they can rip apart statues, because what they do instinctively is uncivilized. And they do that just as we react in a civilized manner. And unfortunately, we're giving a lot of lip service to these uncivilized and unreasonable people, it's trying to bring them back to a constitution that they don't believe in in the first place. So as a result, you have a war. You have a tug of war, those of us who are civilized versus those of us who are not. And unfortunately, words don't usually stop on civilized situations. But if I may, on your comment before I came on with the Bundy case, I'm glad to see that they're exonerated. And my question to you from a legal point of view out there, I don't know the statutes, but would they not be able to sue the government to recoup all their legal fees? Yeah, yeah, they they can sue for not only legal fees but uh, wrongful imprisonment. I mean, these most people when their case is pending, especially when it's not a criminal trial, uh, 
they're allowed to roam free, right? There's certain restrictions, but with the Bundys, they put them into uh, awful restrictive conditions. I'm talking about cavity searches, you know, when they would come back from the court and in handcuffs. Brian, they were they were forced to wear handcuffs in court, weren't they? Like, were they shackled? Yeah, Brian's... Yeah, when they were... And, and so all that, they're entitled to compensation for, but I will tell you, I, I don't know uh, what this family will do, but I think, you know, uh, it's been how long, Brian? Ten years? Eight years? How long, long has time. this... Yeah, it's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. I think they should have the option to even get a, uh, a uh, 10 times or 20 times the damages. I think in most states you do have that capability. You would know better than I. But I think the investment in time and money that those poor folks were subjected to by unreasonables under the jurisdiction of the Obama camp, which bears in mind everything I just said previously, I think they should go and make them pay a price. I mean, that's my opinion. I just wanted to touch on that. I didn't want to take up the whole timeline, but I did want to touch on that. I'm glad they're exonerated. Well, Jim, I, I just, because you brought it up, I have to tell you, there is a piece of me that died in that courthouse when you hear a federal judge excoriate the prosecution for failing to reveal evidence that they're obligated to turn over. Like, that doesn't happen in the America that... I have in my heart and in my head, right? It's, hey, we're going to make this a fair fight, and everybody's got to play by the rules. And when the referee, like in this case, the prosecution doesn't do that, that that was tough. That was tough to, to see firsthand. But uh, thank you for saying that, and uh, good luck to the Bundys. Uh, we have about a minute and a half left, Jim. I want to ask you this. The president, you know, all this bad news. There have been several polls that have come out in this last week showing the president uh, tied or actually beating Joe Biden in these uh, competitive states, in these toss-up states. My question to you, what do you think is the best thing that could happen to the president in the next two months to to, to push him back into re-election? The reasonable people, going back to that format we just talked about, in this country, without, with no doubt about it, outnumber the unreasonables in every respect, in every walk of life, and in every age group, will, as I said before, uh, walk into the voting booth knowing a guy that speaks from his heart, a guy that's got red, white, and blue for blood in his veins, as do most of us, and who is realistically attacking the problems one by one. And he's doing a fantastic job. You know, it's... Uh, it's a tough deal when you're trying to climb Mount Everest. But once you get past halfway, you only got halfway to go. And in reality, I think we're at that point. And it bears in mind, I must say this every time we talk to your listening uh, folks, you have to vote in person. You have to stop what you're doing, doing and go out and spend an hour and, and vote your mind in person. Don't let anybody talk into mail-in voting. That's a real probable problem that's going to come back to bite you and destroy your capability of the vote counting. And once you do that, I stay with the prediction that the largest landslide in American history is about to be upon us. And that, Jim, that will be the final word of the show. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to The Joe Carey Show here on K-Talk, 1640 AM. Remember, get right with God, be kind. Stay tuned. Brian Hyde up next.